It's good to be with all of you uh, today. Um, I wanted to open with that prayer to um, ask Mary to intercede for us uh, in a particular way and to ask for the grace of the Holy Spirit because this is, the I I call this the heart of the new evangelization. I know that's not the title that's in your book. A few people asked me lately, what's the name of your workshop? And I said, yeah, I don't remember. Someone else wrote it, so and I call it this. So um, the heart of the new evangelization, and I guess anyway, uh, the reason is because there's a lot of pieces to the new evangelization, right? And um, I feel like I feel like Jim Beckman in the technology today department. Let's see if we can get this rolling right now. Um, Anyway, uh, so there's a lot of pieces to the new evangelization, right? And so I think of prayer as being the heart, right? Um, because uh, this is my own relationship with Christ, as, as Jim has been laying out for us uh, really beautifully, I think, last night and today, um, is where I, th- that relationship is where my identity comes from, and from there, from there my mission uh, and so I th- just think it's so important that I'm listening to and following the Lord because I, I'm always reminded of that scripture, if the Lord does not build a house, right, in vain do the builders labor. So if I'm not in relationship with Jesus Christ, then the mission becomes more about me and less about Jesus, right? God has the plan for this. And, um, and so I, I, this is at the heart. This is at the heart. Um, so let's be attentive to our hearts. Um, today and what what it is that the Lord wants for us. So I was thinking about this, questions that I've had in my own life um, over the years, and I know a lot of people who also have these kinds of questions, and you probably do too. They say things like this, I'd like to spend time in prayer adoration, but I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. What do I do? And, and this came up especially when we start, first starting ha- started to have perpetual adoration at the cathedral 24-7. And, uh, and it was very exciting. A lot of people are really on fire about it. But I did hear from a lot of people, what do I do, what do, I do with my hour? And Father Mark uh, McCormick likes to talk about how he sees people with their cooler and their backpack coming into the door. <laughs> there's a sense of I'm... I need something like I need a book to read, or I need a, a you know a, a meditation guide, or I need my I need stuff to help me because I don't know what to do. And I've been there, and I'm guessing probably everybody in this room has been there at one point or another, right? What What do I do? What do I do when I go to prayer? Or they'll say this: If I wanted to spend time time with Jesus in daily prayer, what would that look like? How would I build that relationship? And my Protestant friends say to me all the time, do you have a personal relationship with God? And I say, what, I go to church? <laughs> what do you mean? What does that mean? So what does it mean to have a personal relationship with God? How do I get that relationship? And then they say, um, you know, I want to follow God's will, but I don't know what he wants. How do I hear him when I go to prayer? Well, I'm going to prayer now, but I don't know how to hear what the Lord is saying to me. You know, Jim's been talking today as though he easily hears what the Lord says. And I, don't, I don't know what the Lord is saying to me, so how can I hear him? Uh, you know, in my own life, um, I think um, God, God has just been really generous to me over the years. And I grew up, I grew up in a, what I would call a sort of typical Catholic family, I think, um, in that we went, we did go to, we were regular churchgoers. We went to church every Sunday. 
And um, we and we went to confession as a family. I mean, we we didn't all go in the same time, <laughs> but we went to the church together. And uh, so it was for, you know. But beyond that, um, gosh, I don't even know if we really prayed meal prayer regularly together. I think we did maybe. Um, you know, night prayers before bed. I think probably in my case, only if the, I was in trouble or there was some <laughs> right there was some problem in my life that I talked to God outside of that. But then I went to Creighton University, and um, I didn't go to Creighton because it was a Catholic university. I didn't. I went to public schools as a kid. I didn't have um, Catholic school experience. Um, I went to Creighton because I wanted to be. <laughs> I was going to be a lawyer, <laughs> and. Uh, they had a six-year law degree program, and so that's why I went there, because I, I was, you know, in and out. Um, so, but when I got there, I found out it was Catholic, <laughs> and um, they had, uh, so there are chapels all over campus, and I had a roommate who was uh, an extreme extrovert, so like, his, he's talking about his wife and his oldest son, right, like that, and uh, I'm an introvert. So, uh, so she made a lot of friends really quickly, and they were all in my dorm room. So I used to just uh, just to get away as an introvert. Like I just need a little, I just need a little time. I need a little space. So uh, I would go to one of the chapels on campus, and especially St. John's uh, Church, which is right there on campus. And um, and I would just I would just be there, and I just started talking to the Lord. Um, and I consider it a grace because I didn't have a teacher, you know, I didn't have somebody who was teaching me how to pray or helping me with this or anything. It just was by the circumstances. I think God just took advantage of my circumstances <laughs> and, um, and guided me uh, to, to spend more time with him. And um, later on, then, as I grew in that relationship with him, he sent me teachers uh, thankfully, uh, over the years, I've had very good teachers. Um, but I was—I've very often been in that circumstance. Like I don't. Okay, I want to do what the Lord wants, but I don't know how to—I don't know how to hear Him. And one of the things that happened when I was in that chapel at, at St. John's at Creighton University was I felt that the Lord was calling me to serve the church in some way. I really—that was a strong sense that I had, um, but I didn't know what to do. I didn't know it, and the Lord was not specific about it at all. Like, that was, there was just a vague sort of sense of that. So I started talking to people and asking them questions. Um, you know, is this, what should I do? You know, where would I, what would you, right, all those kinds of questions. And um, eventually got around to the director of the theology department at Creighton, who just said, well, why don't you major in theology? And so I I didn't have a better idea, so I did. So I did, um, and it really was like that. Like I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know what God wanted really, and I didn't know if this was the right thing. But I didn't have a better idea, so that's what I did, and that ended my law career. Thanks be to God, and um, and got me, you know, to be uh, simply to be with, uh, to begin to follow on that path where the Lord, I think, was leading me. Um, so when we talk about then, what, what does God want me to do? In, like, what do I do when I go to the adoration? What do I do in prayer? How do I spend my, at that time? What is the way to build that real, personal relationship with Jesus Christ? Um, I think that God is not trying to make it hard, okay? Is it right? I, I, I believe that, right? He's not trying to make it hard for us to figure out. 
He's, it's not a puzzle that we should we need to solve. It's not right. He wants to have a relationship with us. So why is it so hard for us, right? Why do we not know what to do when God? So I want to say this. It actually is very simple. It's very simple, not necessarily easy, but simple. Okay. Um, we tend to complicate it, I think, because we start down this road, like Jim was talking about, of um, the, the, the prayer voice, right? Why do you talk in a different voice? Right? That there is a way that we sort of think, I have to fix this, or I have to present myself in this way, or these are the holy things that I need to focus on when I'm in prayer, right? Uh, <laughs> only the formal living room, right? <laughs> the formal <laughs> living room. And... The, and we even do this with, like with confession, right? Like I'm gonna, I need to as soon as I quit this sin that I've been committing over and over again, then I'll go to confession after that, because then I can wipe it all out. <laughs> that won't happen. But right, it doesn't. It, that, that will never happen, right? Because we need God's help to do that, right? And and the reality is, it's very funny, right? Because it's as though God doesn't know about that, right? Well, He does, right? He knows. He knows, and He loves us, and He wants to get in. The, the muck of it with us, right? That's where he comes. He comes to be in the messy teenager's bathroom, right? That, that's where he wants to be, to be with us. So it's, so it's simple. That's not complicated. It's simple. Um, and a lo- you may have heard, uh, you may be familiar with this book that I will recommend to you if you're not. It's called The Parish is a School of Prayer by Father Scott Trainer. And I want to tell you that it's written, actually written for priests. He wrote it for priests. Uh, so be aware of that as you're reading it. But I found it extremely helpful for myself and, and especially for those who are doing ministry in the church and trying to help others to come to know Jesus Christ. So this book was really helpful. Father Scott Trainer is his name. He's actually our neighbor. He's a priest of the Diocese of Sioux Falls. Um, but he's now the rector of the seminary in Denver, Colorado. So, um, uh, and he gets this from the Institute for Priestly Formation. He talks about the curriculum of the school of prayer. So if we're talking about how do I have this conversation with God, there's a curriculum. There's a curriculum. But it's very simple, okay? And the acronym is ARRR. Some of you may have heard of this before. Uh, it's... Uh, If you're Randy Betty, who I work with and is a youth minister, he'll say, that's the prayer of pirates. (laughs) (laughs) It's youth youth ministers. Uh, And that stands for acknowledge, relate, receive, and respond. Okay, acknowledge, relate, receive, and respond. This This is what prayer is all about. So um, just for starters, the most, one of the most important things is to, to know is that God is present. God is, is really present and with me, right? So cl- indulge me for just a second. Close your eyes. Don't worry, I'm not going to do anything crazy. Um, or make you do anything crazy. <laughs> but um, at, with your eyes closed, you are still aware of the person sitting next to you, right? You're aware that they're there. Even if, you know, you, maybe you can hear him breathing, but maybe you can't, but either way. And, and you're aware of me up front, so you're not going to get up and do anything crazy either because you know I'm standing up here. 
And even when I'm not talking, you're aware, right, that I'm still here, that I'm up here. Okay, so open your eyes. So the Lord is more present to you than I am, right? But he's not, we're not aware of him with our physical senses. Uh, sometimes he can do that, but we're aware of him in our spiritual senses, right? So you have an awareness, and that's really the starting place. And I say it clearly because um, you maybe have had this or you know other people, right, who, who, uh, who are like this. When I was a kid, for sure, I was like this. Um, I believed in God. I believed that he loved me. I loved him. But he was out there somewhere. And I would, when I would pray, I would kind of throw my prayers up and mm -hmm. hope that he caught them, right? Yep. But I didn't have a consciousness of him being here, right? Right here right. with me. And I think a lot of people struggle with that. So it's an important thing to, you know, to, to just be conscious of. Like God is really here with me and to help people to be aware of that. And then from there, I begin with acknowledging. Okay, so what is it to, what do I acknowledge? Uh, and this is a little bit of what Jim has been talking about. Uh, this is what I want to acknowledge. What are my thoughts, feelings, and desires? Truly and honestly, what are my thoughts, feelings, and desires? That is to say, maybe uh, I'm coming to prayer and I'm frustrated with this thing that's been going on at work. And that's what I'm thinking about, and it's occupying the thoughts of my mind, right? Or maybe I'm sad about something that's uh, happening with a family member. Or maybe I'm mad at God because of a situation in my life. Or maybe I'm just bored. Maybe I'm just bored, silly. I don't know how to sit here in prayer, and I don't know what to say, and I don't know what to do. Um, so I need to acknowledge honestly, honestly, what are the thoughts, feelings, and desires um, from my daily life, in my prayer, in my relationship with God, in my relationship with others, uh, in the scripture that I'm praying with, all of it, okay? All of it. What are the thoughts, feelings, and desires that I bring, and what are the ones that arise in my heart as I pray? So be attentive to that. Acknowledge that. And then the next step is to relate that. That means to tell God. Tell him. Tell him. Everything that you just acknowledged, tell him, um, knowing that he's right here, right? And share everything from your heart like you would talk to a trusted friend. Um, and, and don't just think about it, uh, but relate it to God. That's an important one, uh, especially if you're like me, because uh, this is something I catch myself doing in prayer. I'll just start thinking about it. I'll think about this thing that's happening at work, or this the other thing that's on my mind, or this, that, that, the other, and I'll just be thinking about it, and I won't be talking to God, right? And all of a sudden, I'll notice that, and then I'll say, oh, right, you're here, Lord. Uh, let me tell you about this, you know. Even if it is, uh, oh, I have to remember to pick up milk on my way home today from the chapel, right? Even things like that um, that I'm thinking about. And a lot of times for me, now, don't laugh. Uh, it'll be like this, like, what should I have for supper tonight? I'll be thinking about dinner, and then I'll think, oh, yeah, Lord, you're here. Uh, what should we have for supper, Lord, tonight? Exactly. Uh, um, but whatever it is, to, you know, to, that there's just something honest about that, right? That this is, the, this is really what I'm thinking about. This is really what's on my mind. This is really, and what, is, what do I desire? So what do I want from God? Maybe I'm frustrated because I have never had this encounter of which Jim Beckman speaks. I don't know what he's talking about. So I have a desire, maybe. Lord, I would like to have a, 
have a relationship and encounter with you like that. Can it make yourself known to me, right? Or let show me your love. You know, Bishop Groose very often tells the story, right, of how he just started asking God, I want an experience of your love. What is that like? And he just started asking him every day. And now he's the Bishop of Rapid City. So God answers, or, or answers all those, those prayers. And the truth is, you want to know the truth? The truth is that this is how God works in us. He places a desire in my heart, a good desire for him or for, for something of him. He places a desire in my heart, not so that I can fulfill it or fix it or make it happen, but so that he can fulfill it, right? Uh, too often, I think I have this desire and I have to fix it. So I have to get holier or I have to, you know, do this or that, and then I can have this, you know, or then I can be like this. Um, but that isn't, that isn't what God's about because he, he's, his call is to be dependent on him. So what, what he's about is he's putting that desire in my heart because he wants to give me something that. He wants to give me that desire. And so by acknowledging it and relating it to the Lord, I open myself up to receive it. Um, it also, that simple relating also builds my relationship with God. So um, a lot of times people will say, um, well, God already knows. He already knows uh, what, where I'm at. He knows all the things in my life, and he knows what I'm frustrated about, and he knows... Uh, what my desires are, so I'm not, why do I need to spend all this time <laughs> telling him all about it? He probably knows better than I do what I need or want. Okay, um, so Father Trainer in his book gives a great analogy about this. He says, this is like, um, this is like a dad who uh, goes to all of his son's basketball games and um, never misses a game. He's good friends with the coach, and, uh, but there's one game he has to miss. He's out of town. And in that game, his son scores the winning basket in a very dramatic and exciting moment to end the game. It's very exciting. The dad had to, unfortunately missed it, and so the coach is really excited. So he calls up his friend and says, hey, your son scored the winning basket, and it was awesome and amazing. And um, so dad's very excited, and when he gets home, he sees his son, and he says, hey, tell me about the game. And his son said, I know Coach Galview. I know Coach Galview. You already heard about it. You heard all about it. Right? Okay, if you're a dad, what are you thinking? What do you want? What about you? I want to hear from you, right? I want to hear you tell me about this, right? So that's how God is, right? He wants to hear it from us. He wants to have that relationship with us, right? Um, It's not because it's not just about knowledge, right? It's about more than just the facts. So so that's why we spend that time um, relating all of that to the Lord. Okay, then receive, um, and that's, um, this is sometimes the hard part for people, um, is to listen, because God will speak. He will speak in different ways to different people, um, sometimes through a thought in my head, right, or in my heart, a subtle voice maybe, right, in my heart, a memory that arises, a song comes to mind, uh, an experience of his love, a desire arises, right? All of those different, or maybe um, an impulse uh, to go and, and uh, maybe visit my grandma who I haven't seen in a long time, or, you know, right? So like in all of those ways, God speaks. So receive what he wants to give. And you have to do, you do have to take some time of silence to let him speak, right? Let him, let him speak. And pay attention to the movements of my heart in that 
in that silence. Uh, Father Trainer also points out that when the angel Gabriel came to Mary and announced, right, the good news, she doesn't say to him, I'll do it, right? She, that's not what she says. She says, let it be done to me. Yeah, that there's an active receptivity. Let this be done, right? What you want in me, let this be done. Um, the opposite of dependence is self-sufficiency, and God doesn't want us to be self-sufficient. He wants us to depend on him, and he'll take care of everything, uh, right? Because we can't earn his love. We can't fix it. We can't. This is Pelagianism, Pelagianism that Jim Beckman mentioned earlier, right? This idea that I can pull myself up by my own bootstraps, right? Um, he and, and St. Augustine uh, debated about this point, right? And Augustine said, no, I can't do anything, <laughs> actually. Augustine knew his own weaknesses, right? So he said, it's all grace. It's all grace. It's not, again, I don't want to advocate a spirituality of laying on the couch eating chips waiting for God to do something. <laughs> Quietism, right, that he mentioned earlier. That's the other extreme. So I, so I do respond, right? I respond to God, but um, I don't. So the next time you have a thought of, I need to fix this, right? Or I need to do better here, or I need to overcome this habitual sin in my life, um, Instead, um, turn that to the Lord and say, Lord, I need you to heal me of this habitual sin. I need you to help me with this thing that I'm stuck on. I would like to grow in my relationship with you. I need you to help me with that, right? So it becomes, the desire becomes a prayer to the Lord then. And that happens not just in the moment of, like, it's good to set aside time for prayer, and we'll talk about that, but... That throughout your day, right? Throughout your day, something comes up and you offer it to the Lord in the moment. And it only takes you, it took me 10 seconds to say that, right? To offer that little prayer to the Lord. And then I go on about my day. Um, but to continue to be speaking to him and offering these desires to him. So the one who lives in active receptivity of the love of God is the one who has joy. That's where joy is. I live in this active receptivity um, of the Lord. And then respond, right? So what can you do to act upon what God has revealed or given to you? Right now, later today, this week, it might be more conversation. It might be a resolution. It might be tears or laughter. Um, there's any kind of, it might be, again, that, that um, desire to go serve or to visit someone or to um, get, go to confession or, you know, whatever it might be. Um, respond. So I respond to now what God has given to me. Okay, so now having said all of that, um, these four steps, so you see that, acknowledge, relate, receive, respond. Um, I want to say that these are independent and they happen naturally in an integrated way. It's not like I'm going to spend five minutes acknowledging, check. Now I'm going to spend the next five minutes relating, check. No, it's not like that at all. And in fact, um, in fact when, I, when I first learned this, um, sort of simple way of thinking about prayer, I thought, well, this is, this is so simple, right? That what this is, is it, he's just teaching us how to have a conversation with someone, right? This is what you do in conversations, right? You think about what it was that I want to share with them, you tell them about that, then you hear them, what they want to say about that, and you respond. We're just having a conversation, it's just with God, who I don't have you know, this sensory experience of I have a spiritual, not a physical sensory, I should say, experience of him, but I have a spiritual sensory experience of him. 
Does that make sense? You're with me? Um, good. Okay. So, um, so this is, um, again, this happens, this, this happens naturally like you would in a conversation with a friend. And, and really that's how we need to start to think about it is that, you know, we share some of these things with our friends, right? Like things that are on your mind, things that trouble you or things you're happy about. But do we share them with God who wants to hear about them, who wants to share in this with us? Um, so we need to develop this habit then of just turning to him all the time. Um, it's all about then dependence and abandonment to him. And I want to recommend to you a couple of books. This one's called The Way of Trust and Love by Jacques Philippe. And this is in the, this is at the mustard seed. I stole this one. I mean, I asked, I asked the ladies if I could borrow it to show you in class, and I'm going to return it to them. Um, but this is a great little book um, about the spirituality of St. Therese and what it means to be dependent on God. And there's another one called, I don't have it with me, but it's called I Believe in Love. Um, and uh, it's another book about the spirituality of St. Therese. They can get it at the mustard seed also. I Believe in Love. Um, okay, so um, I want to talk about then some of the pieces that people struggle with in this, um, in prayer. The first one is silence, um, because we live in a world that is full of noise, and, um, and so to just take time for silence can be hard. So you start small and you, gr- you grow it from there, right? Um, but we do, need, we do need silence in order to hear the Lord speak. Again, it's a matter of just starting small and, and, and expanding it. Um, as you take, you know, um, you have a couple handouts there. One of them says, um, spending time with Jesus in daily prayer. Um, this is a way, this is a long handout. I don't really like it because it's too long, but I wrote it. <laughs> Uh, but uh, here's the, this is how to so this is how to pray that acknowledge relate receive respond together with meditation on scripture so if you were to take a passage of scripture and meditate on it and then acknowledge relate receive respond in the midst of it this is how you might do that um, and so um, the card you have this little prayer card is another version of that. These two are kind of similar versions. This has a little more meat on the bones. So you, if you're just getting started, you know, and you want to know, like, how do I enter into uh, an Ignatian way of meditating on scripture, this handout will kind of walk you through that. After you do that a while, you don't need it so much. So then you just stick this one in your Bible and use it. And eventually you won't need anything because it'll just be um, natural. Now, Having said that, that's for meditation on scripture. But anyone without any handouts, assistance, or resources can have a conversation with God, A-R-R-R, right? right? So I don't want to th- you to think you have to have a handout, right? But that's just meant to help if you want to try, you know, beginning to enter into meditation on scripture. Um, but really, really, the simple conversation is, is what we need. Um, so silence. And then dealing with spiritual desolation. And spiritual desolation is when... I don't feel God's presence. I don't, I, he seems to be absent to me. It happens to everyone in prayer at one time or another. You know, there are, you have times, right, where you feel like the Lord is really present and he's really poured out grace or, or he's really speaking to you clearly. Um, and, and then there's times where you don't hear anything, right, or you don't even know if he's there or what to talk about. Um, in times of desolation, 
this is what we do. We look for the presence of God, continue to seek him and ask him for help. And then I express my gratitude. I turned in with gratitude. Lord, thank you for this time of prayer and thank you for being with me, even though I don't feel you right now because I know he is, right? I know he is with me. So thank you, Lord, for being with me. So I express my gratitude. And then I'm faithful to prayer. I don't give up because nothing seems to be happening. And I have had those moments where I thought nothing's happening and I really got to get to this other thing. I got to get done. So I think I'm just going to, right? Okay, no, because God is at work even when I'm not aware, right, of his presence there. He's still doing something in me. So continuing to be faithful to that prayer, seeking him, waiting for him. Okay, then um, dealing with distraction. I'll talk to you a little bit about that. Um, Because everybody has distraction in prayer. Um, it's, uh, it's, um, it's, a, it's a part of who we are as human beings. And so um, I thought Father Trainer has a great plan for dealing with distraction. This is what he says. He says, you make a plan for prayer. Maybe you're planning to pray with a particular scripture passage and meditate on that. And then you start to notice you haven't really been attentive to that passage at all, but you're thinking about something else like, um, oh, I have these... I have these phone calls I have to return, right? I forgot to return somebody's phone call. And you're thinking about that. Okay, so the first step is you just very gently return to what you had planned. You go back to the passage and, and, um, and just, he says, be very gentle about it because if, you're not, if you don't do it gently, uh, the, in frustration, you might try to hunt down the cause of the distraction and then you've fallen into its trap. Okay, so, um, so just gently return to the plan. Then maybe after a little while, uh, you're distracted by now something else. Maybe this time it's um, there's some uh, letters I have to finish, gets mailed out, right? I got to get these letters mailed out. Okay, this distraction is in the same kind of box as the first one. That is, it's the same sort of thing. It's stuff I got to get done, right? So it's the same kind of distraction. So he said, so this time you just tell God all about the distraction. Lord, I want to be with you here, but I'm really thinking about the letters and I'm thinking about the phone calls that I got to get done and I'm annoyed and I'm worried and now I'm frustrated because I'm not paying attention to prayer. You just tell him, right? You just have this conversation with him and then you ask him for the great Lord, just help me to be with, with you here. And you gently return to the passage again, right? Then the third time it happens, right? Third time it happens. He said, uh, now it's time to scrap your plan for prayer and pray with the distraction, because he said, this now is a real distraction will never survive step two. This is now, it's not a distraction, but it's rather something that God wants to talk to you about. So there's something here that the Lord wants to, to enter into with you. So on the third time, you just make that your prayer. Let's just talk about this distraction now, Lord. This is what we're going to pray about today. Um, and you just relate it to him honestly with all the thought. You just try to be attentive now to what is, is there something behind this? Why am I distracted? Why am I, you know, right? And then you pray with that with the Lord. And always asking him, Lord, what is it, you know, in me? What do you want to show me here? Uh, he says if they're unrelated things, like if you're distracted by a series of completely unrelated things, then you just keep going back to step one. <laughs> and, it's, and it's a tough prayer, but it will be fruitful. So, um, so that's, I thought that was helpful uh, in just in terms of dealing with distractions. Next, another thing that I get a lot when um, people begin to meditate on scripture and St. Ignatius, if you've learned the Ignatian way of praying, 
he likes to enter into the scripture passage with all his senses in his imagination. So he would imagine the place, right? If they're on the Sea of Galilee, he would see the boat and he would feel the breeze and he would smell the sea air and he would be hearing the disciples and seeing them talk and, you know, right? So he would fully enter in in his imagination. And when you start to pray that way, a lot of times the next question people have is, is this real or am I making it up? Am I just making this up in my head? Even in the kind of prayer where you feel like you're talking to God and you think you're hearing, like, is this real? Is this real or am I making this up? So um, Father Trainer makes a great distinction between fantasy and Christian imagination. These are two different things, okay? Fantasy has no foundation in reality. And he gives the example of the movie The Shining. I don't know if you've seen the movie The Shining. I don't recommend it. Anyway, he says, he says uh, you know, you go see this movie, and maybe you're drawn in emotionally, and you're scared, and whatever. But then when the movie's over, it's done, and it really doesn't have any bearing in your life, right? There's no, there's no reality in, in it. Um, Christian imagination is different, because just like we have physical senses that allow us to see, hear, taste, touch, smell... Christian imagination is like the spiritual sense that t- plugs us into spiritual realities, right? You believe that God is real and here with us and that the angels are real. That they're spiritual realities that we don't have physical contact with. But we, God does make contact with us through our spiritual senses, right? And the Christian imagination is, is one way of that. Um, and so oh, a couple things to note is Christian imagination, first of all, will have a lasting effect on me, in that even after I'm done meditating, it will still have an impact on me. It will still have bearing in my life, right? So it's real. It's not fantasy, right? It's real. Um, The other thing is that Christian imagination always draws my attention to God, to his presence, to his action, uh, his power, his love, his activity. So if I or someone or something else starts taking the center of attention in my prayer, it's a good sign that I've jumped from Christian imagination over to, into fantasy, right? So if I'm start, something else is taking the center of attention, I've moved into fantasy. Uh, and fantasy will always leave us spiritually desolate, okay? So it'll just feel, it'll just be a desolation. Whereas um, Christian imagination will plug me into God, who is really real, right? Really there. And he will be the center of that prayer. Does that make sense? Okay. The next question I get is, am I praying correctly? Am I praying correctly? I get this a lot, actually. Am I praying correctly? Uh, How do I know if I'm doing this right, Susan? How do I, am I doing this right? Well, um, there's really just two things, okay? Am I praying honestly? Am I being honest with God? Or am I pretending, or am I lying, or am I, right? So I need to pray honestly. I need to be honest with God. And number two, I need to be consistent. I need to keep going back to the Lord in prayer on a regular basis. If you're praying honestly and consistent, consistently, you're doing it right. Okay? Honestly and consistently, you're doing it right. Okay. Um, he also talks about classrooms of the school of prayer. And um, that there's places where this can happen and where we can help others to learn how to pray. And so I just want to briefly talk about a couple of these. First of all, the mass. Um, the Acknowledge, relate, receive, respond comprises the whole mass. That's what we do in liturgy, right? That's what we do. 
We acknowledge, we relate, we receive, and we respond. That's what's happening. And so to be aware and be present to God who is truly present to us in the mass is a great way right, to, to, to connect with him in a sacramental way. And likewise in confession. Um, and so as I, maybe as I prepare to go to confession, to tell God in my prayer as I'm preparing to go to the sacrament, the frustrations about my habitual sins, maybe, you know, or to identify the thoughts, feelings, and desires that accompany temptation, right? When I'm tempted to do this, what is it that I'm thinking and feeling? And honestly relate them to God, and then that will help me to make a better confession and to receive, too, what the Lord is, is trying to say there. Um, there's also, I'm just going to skip over these really quickly, kind of, but committee meetings. I know, you <laughs> never thought there could be anything salvific about a committee meeting. But at least I didn't. Uh, but um, one of the things you can do, like if you're running a meeting, for example, if you're the one responsible, to just begin a little bit with a scripture and a, sort of a guided ARRR to let people in their own heart and mind to relate those things to the Lord and, um, and to help them to learn how to do that. Because a lot of people, again, it's a great place to teach. Same with uh, parish religious formation. You can lead people in a guided meditation. You can use this handout, spending time with Jesus in daily prayer, to guide people in meditation and to begin to teach them, how do I pray with scripture? How do I, how do I acknowledge, relate, receive, respond? And then finally, and most importantly, in a lot of ways, the home, um, that this is the place, um, that the ultimate aim of the parish as a school of prayer is to foster that prayer in the home um, so that every person, uh, every child, right, learns that from their parents, how to do that, how to acknowledge, relate, receive, respond. Um, and so I, I have an, the other handout that you have there is called, this is a spousal prayer at the top. And I want to talk about that a little bit, praying in the family. Um, and this is just a great, I, I thought this was a great um, uh, source. I want to say this. I'm a consecrated virgin. I don't have a human spouse at home, and I know there's many of you here who are single or widowed or don't have a human spouse. Well, for us, this prayer, we pray this way with, directly with the Lord, and because I have that freedom, I have more time to spend with him. Um, but spouses, married couples, are called to bring each other closer to God, right? But that's part of their vocational call. And so um, this is one uh, example of a way that um, Father Trainer uh, that Father Trainer gives us. In and by the way, this is mostly plagiarized. Don't get me in trouble. <laughs> Sue me. Uh, but, but this is a, this is an example of what he gives for how spouses might begin to pray together in a kind of intentional conversation. And so he says, first of all, he says, set aside some time. He says 30 minutes. I don't know how long it takes. You just have to try it and see how long it takes. And maybe it doesn't take that long. I don't know. Um, but he said there's some ground rules. And the first ground rule is this is not a time to, quote, work on the relationship. Okay? This is number one ground rule. Number two, this is not a time to arrange carpools or household duties or details. Right? Uh, number three, this is not a time to offer advice, problem solve, or figure out or fix anything, right? And number four, this is not a time to talk about others unless the purpose is to reveal how another's actions have affected the husband or wife. Okay, and all those things, fine in themselves and good, and things that couples need to talk about, just not here, right? Okay, so that's the ground rule. So here, in this intentional conversation, 
Spouses will reveal to each other what's been on their hearts and their minds that day. And then they entrust those thoughts, feelings, and desires they have to their spouse, right, who's listening attentively and receiving them with love. So what happens is one person goes first, and that person just simply and honestly shares what's been on his heart and mind that day. Um, what he's thinking about, what's occupying his thoughts, what's, you know, what are the th what, frustrations, sadnesses, joys, you know, just what are the things that are occupying my thoughts, feelings, desires. And then, and just shares those, honestly. And then the other spouse is listening attentively to that and just receiving that with love, unconditional love. And then the listener takes what he's heard and offers a prayer to God out loud. So he relates what he's heard to God and what he desires for his spouse. So um, Father Trainer's example on the handout, Heavenly Father, you know the sadness Jenny has in her heart over dad's death and she thinks she should be over it by now. You know how much he meant to her and the worry she has for her mom now. I thank you, Father, for her beautiful heart and ask you to come into her sorrow and worry and bless her with your love, amen. It's simple, right? It's very simple, it's very short. He just relates what he's heard. She's frustrated about this. She's joyful about this. And we wanna thank you for this. And uh, ask for your help and your grace to come into this. And it's really like what Jim Beckman made us do in the chapel, right, earlier. It's very similar to that. Um, and so the listening spouse is just offering that and they both now lift up their hearts to God in prayer. Then they switch places, and the listener becomes the sharer, and the sharer becomes the listener, uh, and um, and you do that that again, and it is it is kind of vulnerable, right? And so, uh, as Jim said, kind of awkward, maybe maybe a little bit awkward, but it's okay and good um, because it will really um, open you up to a, an opportunity for unity um, with each other, with God, and in, in prayer, and um, to grow in that communication and to, to help the other grow closer to God, right? Which is what your call is if you're married. Um, so it's a beautiful, I think it's a beautiful opportunity. He says also a lot of times if you have little kids at home, they'll be drawn to this and want to hang around just like, you know, like when mom and dad are dancing and the kids sort of grab on because they want to be, a, they want to get in on that. They want to be a part of that. Uh, similar to that, they might kind of, you know, come over and sit on the couch with you or whatever. And he said, that's fine. That's fine. You know, as long as you don't get distracted by taking care of, you know, whatever their needs are. Um, don't get distracted, but that's good and fine for them to be around. Because then it, they begin to learn, right? How does this how does this work? What is this like? And how do I talk to God? And then the opportunity opens up that parents can begin to pray that way with their kids. How was your day today? What's on your heart and mind? You know, or what happened at school today, right? And as they share what happened at school today, you can offer them a prayer to God right there for, okay, uh, he's struggling or worried about this test that's coming up tomorrow. Lord, just ask you to give him grace and help him with that test, right? Simple, simple. But hard. <laughs> but maybe hard, but maybe hard, but si yes, but simple, but simple. Um, good. Questions about that? Comments? Okay, I just want to share, I'll just wrap up by sharing just a couple other little things um, about prayer. Um, for the couple, for the individual, for the family, um, some, just some things to be attentive to. Preparation. Um, so to make a, an appointment with God, if you will, right? What time of day am I going to pray? 
How much time am I setting aside? Where am I going to pray, right? How's that going to work to make a plan for prayer? Now, sometimes your plans get disrupted, right? So maybe you made a plan for prayer that day and it got disrupted. So you just reschedule. Just like if an appointment got disrupted that someone made with me at work, we'd reschedule it, right? So just reschedule, okay? But make a plan. So where, at what time, for how long, what am I going to pray with? And what grace do I want to ask from God? Again, to be attentive to expressing a desire, right? Lord, this is what I want from you right now. This is what I need help with. This is what I'm struggling with. And if I don't know or nothing is really coming to mind, which sometimes happens, for me then it's, Lord, just help me to grow in love with you. Just give me a greater desire in my heart for you, right? Simple. Um, but you, as, as you go, you know, on different days, you have different needs and different desires and things that you're seeking from the Lord. Ask him, ask him for that, right? And then, uh, of course, um, the prayer itself. And maybe you just have a simple, maybe one day you just, it's a simple ARRR. It's just a simple conversation with the Lord. Other days, maybe you're taking the scripture and you're going to meditate with the scripture and pray with that. Um, whatever it is uh, that you're going to do. Um, then afterwards, um, to review to a certain extent, and, and by review, especially um, to journal. I would encourage uh, people to journal their prayer. What was I thinking, feeling, desiring? Uh, and what did I receive from God? Not that you have to record everything down about your prayer, but to jot down something, a movement of God uh, that happened in prayer, something that stood out, something that struck me. Or, you know, uh, or even, and some days, this is what my journal says, um, is uh, I was just really bored today. <laughs> That's what my journal says. Um, so just, and uh, the, like in a, in a real and honest way, but I usually write something down. Now, the reason is, and I'll just be honest with you, I hate to journal. <laughs> uh, but I do it because I have a spiritual director who has... Uh, ordained that I should journal. <laughs> so, so, um, so I do it out of obedience. Um, and it's been really good for me to, to journal because what happens is I can look back and see what God has been doing, right, over, the, uh, over time. Because as I flip back, then I see, I begin to identify the movement of God in my heart. I, I knew a lady once, we, were, we had a, a small prayer group, and um, she, uh, she said, she came to prayer group once and she said, I just, I don't, I'm trying to discern this one thing and I don't know what God is trying to say to me. And so I said, well, would you be comfortable sharing what you wrote in your journal? And she said, yeah, sure. So I said, okay, read today's. And she read it. And I said, okay, now read yesterday's. And she read it. And I said, read the day before. And she read it. And we went back about a week. She read about a week's worth of journal entries. And by the end, we all knew what God was saying to her. It was very clear. And I said, so do you have... Does that answer your question? <laughs> you know, and she said, yep, yep, I know now. We got so there is something helpful about journaling that I can see over time the movement of God that I didn't see in an immediate moment, right? Um, so I found that really, really helpful. Okay, I think I have to wrap up. So, question. Yeah. Some of you probably read the Magnificat, and I do that every morning. And it's one of those check-off things. Mm. I check it off. I did it in the morning, and mm -hmm. I checked it off before mm. night. Mm -hmm. right. uh, and, and it's there's very valuable. But how, you know, I'm I'm sure you do the liturgy of the hours. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, right. Sometimes so, they're not that meaningful. Yeah, right, and and it's true that, and it's easy to fall into that, right? Like, I'm just going to get it done. So we have to remember that the point of prayer is not to get to the end. 
It sounds silly to me always when I say it out loud, right? But I do this all the time. Like, right, I have to get this done. I have to pray this prayer and I have to get it done. Okay, the point is not to get done. <laughs> the point is to be with the Lord there. So to make that, like for me, the liturgy of the hours, to really acknowledge, relate, receive, and respond as I'm praying the Psalms, right? And to be aware of, for example, that one of the things, the beauty of the Psalms is I, I'm praying with all the people around the world, and I'm praying for and with, with them and on behalf of them, people who are in different circumstances than me, right? So some Psalms really resonate, like this is where I am, and other Psalms are like this is not where I am right now at all. But I know somebody in the universal church is here, and so I pray with them and for them and on behalf of them, right, in this psalm. And so I acknowledge and I relate that to God in that psalm. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. yeah. But you do have to be intentional about it and attentive to it, right? Yeah. Good. Um, it's all ultimately, if I, can just, if I can just end by saying, it's all about really uniting with the heart of Christ. Um, that that's, and that that's the place where... I find my identity, right? That, through that relationship, I find my identity and therefore my mission. And this is what you and I need to share. This is the good news that we need to share with others and teach others and help others to grow in is so that my union with Christ then brings others into union with Christ. Amen? Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be world without end. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.